0: Welcome to the Your Houston Podcast. This is your host, Nicholas Hall.
1: This is your co-host, Mario Castillo. How are you doing today, Mario? You know, I watched some baseball on TV for the first time in a long time this week. And that was great, except you don't really think about baseball starting at the beginning of August, late July. You usually think about things like back to school,
0: um, which is what we're talking about today. Yeah, you do. But I also think about those cardboard cutouts that we have in the... uh, the field out there um, you know I've been thinking I'm a bit on the fence I've been thinking about actually getting one of those I just don't know which Astros shirt I'm gonna wear uh, well thank you for being here today we've got an exciting guest this is a topic I've been waiting to talk about for so long uh, Zef Capo we, we are very excited to talk
1: to Zef today he's the president of the Houston Federation of Teachers and the vice president of the American Federation of Teachers and a former Houston community college, uh, board of trustee member.
0: How are you doing this morning, Zaf?
2: I'm doing well. Thank you. Uh, glad to be here. Thank you for the invite.
0: Uh, if there's one beach you could retire to, which beach would that be? Whew.
2: Wow. Um, you know, there's a, uh, there's a couple of really secluded beaches down in Costa Rica and, uh, down by Manuel Antonio park, south of there that are just amazing and uh, stay fairly well off the grid, but close enough to the airport to get back to Houston if I needed to, I'd be there in a heartbeat.
0: Yeah. Costa Rica is a very popular choice. Uh, Wonderful beaches down there. Um, I I heard some dogs in the background earlier today, Uh, what's your favorite breed of dog?
2: You know, it's really hard to say. It's like uh, picking favorites between your kids. I, I've got a, uh, a red men pin that came from the city of Houston shelter, who has been with me the longest now, which would probably be the one that's up there because he's the smallest guy in the group. But uh, I've got a Catahoula leopard that uh, was rescued from the Harris County shelter and a, uh, a schnauzer from the Schnauzer Rescue uh, uh, Group, who is a great group, who does a lot of good work for dogs around the city of Houston, particularly the Heights, close to my neighborhood.
0: You know, rescue dogs have a place close to my heart. So uh, that, that's, that's something that I, I endear. Um, and then my last question would be, since everything with the world we're living in right now, what would you say is your favorite stress relief activity?
2: I think it was probably the only one that I have left at this point, and that's uh, getting out with the dogs and walking around the neighborhood, uh, keeping distanced away from other people, making sure that you're in the outside where you can stay safe, and uh, getting to know your neighbors from a distance as you uh, kind of work through this, uh, the effects of this pandemic together in the best way that you can. Uh, that's that's one of the things that helps uh, keep me mo- moving and, and reduce some of that stress that Builds up from far too many decisions being made by our state right now.
0: Yeah, we're moving at a fast speed, and we got a lot of decisions to make. Well, let's
1: let's dig into some of those decisions you mentioned, uh, Zeff. We're really excited to talk about this topic with you. Um, we're getting into back to school time, and we're seeing in the news, you know, all the headlines of the state wanting kids back in the classroom and. The doctors and the scientists saying it's too soon, and then you have teachers caught in the middle of this, school bus drivers, you know, where are we right now with everything that's going on? Sort of what's the state of getting back into the classroom in the fall?
2: Yeah, it's frankly at a really precarious state because we have far too many political decisions being made instead of letting the medical science drive these decisions, Um, I mean, there are two very distinct pieces in here, right? Uh, Our medical professionals should be the ones that we're following in how to control and contain this virus. And that should be everyone's uh, from Houston to Austin, from um, Dallas down to the Valley. That should be everyone's priority is what are the things that we all need to do collectively to contain this virus? And certainly one of the things that we could be doing in the public school system is uh, is improving the virtual uh, online education system that we started putting in place that we can continue to move through so that we don't exacerbate an already uh, really uh, frayed system of healthcare delivery, both in the public and private sector, frankly, uh, as well as exacerbating the already alarming numbers in communities like ours, um, where we're seeing, uh, you know, Far too many cases and far too high of a percentage of COVID to make anyone comfortable. It's really distressing that that our medical professionals like Dr. Shaw, Dr. Hodes, uh, even Dr. Fauci, are not the ones that we're following um, uh, in in these decisions, and rather instead uh, fall in prey, frankly, to individual wants and needs. And that's not any way to run a a system. Uh, let alone during a pandemic.
0: You know, it would have been months ago when I, I really started seeing a shift from everyone working together to something becoming politicized. Um, and, you know, that's just too, too unfortunate given the circumstances. Um, who would you say is behind the push to hold in-person instructions this fall?
2: Well, you know, I, I, frankly, you can kind of see it. You could see the division at the state level with the push being the lieutenant governor's office is firmly behind this start over. You've seen it in the comments that he's publicly made, uh, willing to sacrifice grandma. Why would we think that he's not willing to sacrifice the teacher or students uh, to uh, meet those ends? Um, The picture uh, that the Houston Chronicle published the other day with the president, uh, the attorney general, and the lieutenant governor together Um, Really, kind of said it was worth a thousand words uh, when you looked at the motivations behind some of these decisions that are being made. Uh, It it is frankly frightening. Uh, And I know part of it is because of part of their base, part of the voters that and the individuals within our communities that frankly don't believe. Uh, in, you know, collective care to take care of one another, i.e. wear your mask when you're out in public versus their individual freedoms. And that that is a recipe for disaster. That is not anything that we have ever prioritized when we've had real national crises before. Um, you know, and 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 it's really, really, really unfortunate. When you look at many of the comments out there, when you look at many of the things that are being said and done and what people believe, you know just because your zip code may have a lower incident case right now doesn't mean that you are safe to return to schools uh it simply means that you're going to bring people from multiple zip codes together into close quarters and their um risk of infection is going to increase exponentially and then those zip codes that have been less susceptible are now going to have factors that uh um allow for the climate increase in those areas. Uh, People don't understand how epidemiology works.
1: So just so we're all on the same page here in Houston and Harris County, it it sounds like schools are delaying in-person start for a virtual start of four weeks and they can potentially extend that another four weeks. But once those eight weeks are up, the expectation is students and teachers are back in the classroom. Is that correct?
2: For the most part, we have some school districts that are not availing themselves of those four weeks. I believe that Spring Branch is doing two weeks of virtual and then bringing everyone back in person. Uh, I think that Humble uh, ISD is choosing to have a much shorter runway and forcing their teachers and students back into classrooms at a much earlier pace. You have other school districts, um, you know, like Houston ISD, who I think is actually done, uh, you know, I'm not uh, generally somewhat critical of their decisions but they've actually done a really good job of putting together a fairly comprehensive plan of really looking at the scientific data and understanding that they have a behemoth of a district and you can't move you you're not going to be able to move as quickly as uh, as as you would if you were running a small business of 10 or 12 people so i think that they're putting putting the medical advice first and foremost really trying to do their very best to put the safety of students and staff first, yet still somewhat being hampered uh, by decisions made at the state. Um, they, they, the state has tried their best to put out um, positions that seem like they're giving flexibility to school districts, but what the school districts are finding in the next page or the next set of uh, guidelines, those flexibilities are then being taken back. And that's the unfortunate circumstance that most of our school leaders are having to deal with to the point where you're seeing some of them publicly coming out now and saying, we're going to do what we have to do to keep our kids in schools and communities safe and you know, worry about TEA later, uh, whether it means having to take them to court for their funding or not. Um, I really applaud Brian mm-hmm. Woods, the superintendent in the Northside School District, for Taking a stance to make sure that his community and his kids are safe over and above these back and forth and very um, uh, very unsettled decisions coming out of the state. I mean, it's really an unfair place for most of those leaders to be in because the, the the rules of the game have literally changed on a weekly basis on them.
0: Yeah, and I'm sensitive, you know, to the fact that this is rapidly evolving and and there's just a lot of unknowns at this point. Um, and also the fact that Texas is a really large state, right? I think it's, you know, you you take Texas and it's 23% larger than the entire country of France, um, you know, so, but that being said, you know, we've kind of had a heads up that the school district was, you know, rapidly approaching and and we're, you know, in my mind could have come together and and had a, a, a kind of cohesive strategy for the entire state. Um, so... That being said, where is the science on this? What does the science say about opening schools and the best practices in doing so?
2: Well, the science right now, if you listen to Dr. Hodes, if you listen to Dr. Shaw and others, um, they're really saying that opening schools, opening any institutions where you bring this number of people into close quarters in an environment or community with the level of spread with the percentage of uh, new positivity cases like we have in the Houston metro area is a mistake. and is uh, they're predicting that uh, if if and when we do that, if we are at the same levels we currently are now, uh, then then we are going to potentially see more increase in the virus. Um, so we're hoping that that one of two things happen. Um, like before the end of the runway, before the end of the four or eight weeks that many of the school districts are availing themselves of, the state actually gets its act together, does what needs to be done to try to really control this disease. Uh, if they're able to do that, then we can probably go back to school fairly safely. Um, but you know, the question is whether we, as a, we, as a people, and, and frankly, our leadership are, Um, are willing to commit to be disciplined enough to do what needs to be done to get the virus under control.
1: So, Zef, we're going to throw a picture up on the screen for you and for the audience to take a look at. It's a picture of a a classroom. This was uh, in the Chronicle a couple days ago overseas, and you'll see kids in masks. You'll see kids wearing uh, hats that encourage social distancing with um, things to keep them separated from other other kids if they're getting too close. You know, are you seeing success stories of schools that are reopening in other parts of the world and that are doing it in a way that keeps the kids and the teachers safe?
2: There are some places that are, are doing so and having fairly good results from it, being able to maintain control. But they've do, they've got they have some very, very different circumstances from where we are, first and foremost. Many of the countries that have been successful uh, have opened when they've been, frankly, at a two to 3% uh, positivity rate. They've had dramatically much lower loads of uh, virus within their area and their community before they even opened. Many of their countries did what needed to be done to get the virus under control first. Once they were able to do that, those additional safety measures, wearing masks, having some of the uh, plexiglass uh, dividers, uh, the additional cleanings, ha- readjusting your schedule, making sure that you are social distancing to the best that you can with kids, because we already know, I mean, any mother or father of a three, four, five or six year old will can easily attest to how difficult that's going to be. But putting those things together in the right environment can allow you an opportunity to keep it under control. We haven't done the first steps first. We've fought each other uh, on what needs to be done uh, to get the virus under control, and we've wasted so much time. Uh, We wasted time with TEA not providing guidance to schools until mid-July, guidance that frankly uh, set off a a, a tug of war between, uh, you know, opening the economy or keeping staff and students safe, which is ultimately what uh, the decisions were boiling down to. Um, So yes, I think that some of those things can be done. What we don't want to do is we don't want to be in a position that Israel and Sweden and some of the other places were that that somewhat did what we did. Israel opened too soon. Uh, They didn't have uh, their barrel loads uh, under control or uh, at the level they needed to be to be able to allow contact tracing and testing uh, to uh, take hold and, and allow them to quarantine appropriately. And you had other countries like Sweden that frankly just you know didn't wear masks, did a lot of the knuckleheaded things that we've done in the United States, not paid attention to what medical professionals had to say, and, and have suffered the consequences. Uh, as a result. And they're a, in comparison, microscopic country and population compared to what we are.
0: Yeah, I mean, this all goes towards, uh, you know, I think that we've had the opportunity to kind of learn from the mistakes of other areas throughout the world, and and we still somehow can't come together and and have a very level-headed, common sense approach. Um, You know, so, has HISD defined a test positivity rate whereby the schools would be closed?
2: You know, I, I think that they 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 are also they are more leaning on the county on the public health officials to to give them those numbers to work through those. They are staying uh, in very close touch. Um, you know, they recognize, right? Like, like I, I'm not an epi- epidemiologist. I'm not a, a public uh, health policy professional, you know, um, any more so than, uh, than the leaders of our school district or certainly people like Ken Paxton. We, But the difference between us and them is we know how to identify and consult with the experts in the fields to help us make the best decisions. And I think that they're going to continue to do that um, so at the point that our county health professionals and others feel like it's safe enough, I think, is, is the guidance that they're going to be looking for. Um, and the numbers that we've been looking at, um, you know, 14 days of reduced positivity cases in a row. Um, an overall positivity rate of 5% or below and trying our best to get under a 1% total uh, viral load within the community. Those are the kind of the numbers that we're shooting for um, to to really think that we're going to be in a good, safe environment. Um, but we're certainly uh, we're certainly following the lead of of uh, Dr. Shaw and uh, Dr. Hodas and others in in this regard because we also do know that the science is changing on a daily basis. What we thought we knew yesterday, we may not necessarily know tomorrow. Um, Because as a former science teacher, I've been telling everybody who will listen is when it comes to COVID-19, we are still in the hypothetical stage. We're in the hypothetical arena. It's going to take a lot of peer-reviewed replication of many of these studies to really uh, have the reliability and validity rates necessary to to really uh, utilize them to make sound public policy
1: let's spend some time talking about teachers. So if you're an older teacher and maybe you're near retirement and you just don't feel comfortable going back into the classroom while there's so much community spread of COVID-19 still going on, can you sit the year out? Can you teach virtually? You know, are there any implications for your contract? What, what situation are teachers being put in right now? with this pressure to return to the classroom?
2: Well, that definitely depends on where you're at and where you're employed. If your employer is uh, erring on the side of caution or if they're throwing caution to the wind and, you know, damn, the torpedoes move forward. Um, You know, some people may be uh, coming to a much uh, riskier decision much faster than they would want to. However, there are some things that they can do. First and foremost, um, our our teachers that are at retirement level can basically decide to retire anytime if they qualify. Um, So they can kind of go up to the day of the decision uh, of where they have to return and kind of make that very drastic decision. The recommendation that I would have for them, particularly if they have uh, any type of Uh, medical conditions that put them in higher risk, is they should be talking to their HR department right now. They should be working with someone to help them complete an ADA accommodation request to request that they be allowed to teach virtually, and particularly virtually from home, not necessarily from their classroom, if their classroom is in a closed building where multiple other people would be uh, breathing that air um that that would probably be the first case they they also have the uh ability uh particularly if they've been employed for more than a year um of requesting leave they don't necessarily have to resign or quit but if they've had sick days over the years that they haven't used um they can request family medical leave for to care for themselves or others if they are in any kind of medical risk due to the elevated levels of COVID we we did a um a webinar with our general counsel on these issues uh, a few weeks ago so that educators would um you know be able to have some of the advice and help be able to walk through those steps and and that uh webinar can be viewed on our website at texasaft.org for those that may still be trying to grapple with those decisions
0: yeah it's, you know, there's no hard and fast decision-making process here. Um, I was reading in the news, and this is where I'm really curious, how, how do you really reopen the schools where you have special needs students and special needs students generally have a compromised immune system to begin with? Um, we have homeless students, uh, the bus drivers. I, I believe 80% of the bus drivers may be at risk. Um, how is this really going to play out? And I guess we don't know, but in your your opinion, where do you see this going uh, in in the next four to six weeks?
2: Yeah, you know that's 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 a really good question, and it's frankly one that um, we 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 had a town hall with our educators and Dr. Fauci a few nights ago, and he made a statement that uh, you know, um, frankly, was all the buzz the next day that you know. You know, he was very transparent and honest that, that uh, unfortunately, as as uh, decisions are being made by those that are in power, um, our educators, our teachers, our bus drivers, our food service workers are going to be basically the next phase of the experiment in, uh, in COVID-19 response. Um, so, you know, what he was ultimately saying is we don't have a hard and true uh, um, you know, uh, position on what's going to happen. They have they predict what's going to happen, and then what they're predicting is people are going to get sick if they go back in these areas. Um, you know, but how quickly and how much that's going to spread is is again going to be part of the experiment that he was referring to. Um, that's going to uh, give some validity to these decisions, or perhaps create regrets that will be remembered by history.
1: Zeph, what role does the union play in all this, and and? If teachers are interested in joining, how can they do that, and what benefits would that provide them?
2: You know, we first and foremost, our priority is to advocate for for the educators we represent and the students and families uh, that they teach. Um, our students and teachers have more in common uh, than than they don't. They're both impacted by the conditions in their classroom, they're both impacted directly by the policy decisions made by those in power. Um, and, you know, where we've had um, large numbers of members who've been active, who've been involved, who have the information to make best decisions, frankly, we found we have uh, school, uh, school return plans that are leaning closer to the safer side where we don't have as many members, where people aren't getting educated and having the facts to be able to speak up and go through these things. We've seen, we've seen other forces uh, leaning in and kind of weighing in on how the decisions are being made. And those are frankly the districts that are going back to school much sooner. Um, and, uh, and with you know, far less uh, detail in how they're gonna keep people safe. So I would recommend that they go to our website TexasAFT.org. There are places to get in touch with us there, get in touch with an organizer, go online. to; uh, They can join from online. Um, There are resource pages. There's a COVID-19 resource page that we've put together that we've broken out by different topics. Um, That's open to the public. Anyone can go there and try to get as much information as they may need to help them through these decisions. I mean, none of this is easy. Uh, None of it is easy on our school leaders, on our employees. It's not easy on parents and families either. We're all gonna be asked to struggle. We're all gonna be asked to sacrifice, but we've got to figure out what is the right level of necessary risk for everybody and how can we mitigate and uh, accommodate um, many of those unintended consequences that are coming out of these decisions. And if, if teachers and school employees are not organized and focused on having a um, common uh, position in that, then we're just simply going to be diluted, uh, a diluted voice uh, amongst the many, and we can't let that happen. So I I do encourage school employees to join the AFT, um, make sure that they're informed, and, and work with us to speak with one loud voice to make the best impact for our kids and for our school employees across Texas.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's valuable information. I mean, I think that this is something that, unfortunately, this is, we're going to learn as we go. Um, You know, between the AFT and the HFT, is there anything that has been proposed as an ideal alternative to what we're currently doing to reopen?
2: You know, we, we, we actually have, uh, turned in some plans. Uh, we, we've met, we, the AFT put out a safe reopening, uh, framework that our communities in Texas have been using to come up with their own plans. Uh, our San Antonio area community, uh, really met with stakeholders, parents and students and community members and others. We, we also did the same thing here in Houston, um, and, and boiled some of those, uh, Points down, most of them come from one of some of the things that we've talked about. What are those numbers need to look like before we come back in person? Uh, that's exactly where those numbers came from, from what the community agreed to together. Um, you know, how we go about the learning uh, process moving forward. Uh, that's been a a great part of our community um, uh, plan is is really ramping up and improving the the virtual learning processes because we know once we get through this crisis everything that we've learned and everything that we've improved from the virtual standpoint is just gonna make public education better. It's gonna be another more robust tool with teachers having a greater appreciation and understanding, with students and families having better ways to connect. Um, The fact that it took a, a worldwide pandemic uh, to force our leaders to make the necessary investments to uh, equalize the digital divide between our kids and families first of all in in looking at it in one way is shameful uh, but looking at it in another way it's one of the uh, p- potential silver linings coming out of this pandemic is that we will have more kids that are that are connected who were uh, kind of um, to use a colloquialism at this point in education, left behind um, with internet connection and and devices that hopefully will be able to, um, you know, make things better for everyone in the end. So those are some of the pieces that we've been uh, working on. We we have not stopped. Our teachers have not stopped. Throughout the spring break, they were on multiple webinar trainings trying to learn the new and different online tools, how to best utilize them for students. That's taken up most of the summer. Uh, it seems like there's something going on every day as far as that type of uh, a learning for our educators because they really want to make sure that they've got a better, more cohesive plan coming into the fall. I think they see that as their responsibility um, uh, vis-a-vis the uh, safe return plans. Um, so I'm hoping that more parents or parents will feel more comfortable. They'll have a much more easy, an easier uh, on-ramp to virtual learning in the fall. So, but that's, that. those are some of the other things once we get kind of the major safety precautions under control in our districts that are trying to do it safe is is all of us stepping up to make sure that we approximate as much as possible the in-person learning experience for our students. We know we're not going to be able to do that 100% because everyone agrees in-person learning is by far the, uh, the the best choice and we all want to be there. We just want to do it safe.
0: Well, thank you so much for being our guest today, Zef. Uh, this has all been valuable information. I, I cannot stress enough how, if you're listening, you know, please go down. We're going to have all links to everything that we've discussed today. Uh, like and subscribe. Watch the show. Uh, please go to the AFT website. Um, Zeph, once again, thank you. I hope you make it down to Costa Rica sometime soon and, and get a pina colada or your favorite beverage of choice.
2: Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great weekend.
0: This has been another episode of Your Houston. Please enjoy your weekend. Be safe, not sorry.